Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Then send me out to share Christ with others so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Great job, church. People don't just need Jesus. People need a church family who knows and walks with Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. Listen, I want to just be very emphatic about that. You don't just need Jesus. You need a church family who knows and walks with Jesus. And that's, that's to everyone who's watching uh, on Facebook or listening to the podcast. You can't serve Jesus to your optimal level the way God wants you to. Trying to serve Jesus and walk with Jesus all by yourself. It's all over the Bible, church. God didn't design us to serve Jesus all by ourselves. Amen? We need a church family, and there's all kinds of great reasons behind that. Which leads us right into the title of our series that we're on. We started last week across all of our campuses, a series that we're calling A Great Work. And the subtitle that I felt led to give it is this, Laying Hold of Who God Wants Us to Be and what God wants us to do. And we're taking time to kind of skim through the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was used by God in the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. And just as a little bit of repeat, the word Nehemiah or the name Nehemiah means Yahweh or God comforts or the comfort of Jehovah. And I believe that's what Nehemiah received. Nehemiah received comfort from God, but God also used Nehemiah to bring comfort to people in Jerusalem who were so distressed because their city was in ruins and the walls were broken down. After Jerusalem was defeated and captured by the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar, a small amount of the Jewish people returned back to Jerusalem They were excited to get back to the building and the rebuilding of the temple. And history tells us that they did that. But they got a little sidetracked and they were very, very much in need of protection because all of the walls of Jerusalem had been burned down and their gates were destroyed. And that's a big deal because the walls were probably like 40 feet tall, 8 feet thick, and they served as a sense of defense against their enemies. And the lack of these fortified walls around the city left the people in shame and defenselessness against their enemies. And Nehemiah had such a heart for God and he was so moved by God and for God's people that he decided to make himself available to go do something 
about it. Walls aren't just physical. For example, in Proverbs 25, 28, just listen. It says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city without walls. What does that mean? Well, if you're a person who isn't under the rulership and the leadership and the control of the Holy Spirit, the Bible is controlling us to like a city with no walls. In other words, the enemy can break into a city with no walls. And if you don't have the spiritual walls around your life and your emotions and your mind and your heart and your spirit, you and I become vulnerable spiritually to the enemy to attack our lives. So these walls are really, really important. And if you remember, we looked in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, and it basically says that Nehemiah got word that the walls were destroyed, the gates were burned, the city was in shambles, and all of the people that were there were in trouble, they were in distress. And when Nehemiah heard about that, the Bible tells us that he sat down and he cried. The Bible tells us that he was very sad. The Bible tells us he fasted and he prayed to the God of heaven for several days. He fasted, meaning he abstained from eating food. And he turned his heart in direction to God. And he was feeding on God and he was praying to God and he was interceding for God's people so that God would do something and bring healing and restoration to Jerusalem and to God's people. In many ways, what happened in this story is the same for us today. Think about it. There are people, some of them in our church, some of them across all three of our campuses, and beyond the walls of our church in the communities and in our families and in our workplaces, there are people who need their walls to be rebuilt. Can you say amen? They need their spiritual walls, their spiritual strength, their spiritual shields of faith, so to speak. To be rebuilt. And here's kind of a big thought of this series. I mentioned it last week. The local church does not exist only as a place of worship. We also exist to extend Jesus and to win people into God's family where all of us together can find salvation, safety, healing, restoration, and care. Can you say amen? All of us together, God wants for us to experience that. And these spiritual walls that we have opportunity to engage in this great work and build around each other and beyond for other people is really, really important. We saw three things last week real quick about Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a burden, and so should we. A burden means a sense of spiritual responsibility. It wasn't that he was burdened. Like, that's a burden to me. It's a bother. No. He carried a God-given burden. His heart was stirred and moved. His spirit was moved for what had happened to God's people and to Jerusalem. We also saw that Jesus saves people. And the church, that's us, the family of God, cares for and disciples people. So you can't just say, oh, they just need Jesus. No, 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 no. They don't just need Jesus. Of course they need Jesus. But they need more than just Jesus. They need a church to care for them. They need a church who's going to help disciple them. I use that word a lot. It's my new hot button word. 
A disciple, listen, a disciple is a person who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. What was Jesus' mission? Listen, winning the lost and making disciples. How many agree that was his mission? That was his mission. And so a disciple is a person who does that. So people need a church to care for them and to disciple them and help them to grow. And then last week we ended the message by just saying this. God's work is a great work. What we're endeavoring to do, this is not some temporary, non-important, non-essential work. No, no, no. God's work is a great work. The harvest is plentiful. Reaching people, loving people, caring for people. It's a great work. So if you weren't here, you missed the podcast, get it. Or go on to the Lakeshore Gastonia Facebook page and you can watch it. Well, listen, let's continue. We're going to continue in the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 2. That's where I'm starting. And I'm going to just read quite a bit of the story. Let it speak for itself and give us a jump start into today's message. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 9. I'm reading out of the easy to read version. This is what it says. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king, some wine was brought to the king. Nehemiah is a cupbearer. Remember, it was his job to check the wine to make sure there was no poison in it before he gave it to the king. So he says, I took the wine and gave it to the king. So he tried it. It's all good. He gave it to the king. And then he says, I had never been, I had never before been sad when I was with him. But now I was sad. So the king asked me, are you sick? Why do you look sad? I think your heart is full of sadness, the king said. Then I was very afraid. He wasn't supposed to be that way in front of a king. Verse 3. But even though I was afraid, I said to the king, May the king live forever. That's a way of honoring the king. He said, I'm sad because the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins. And the gates of that city have been destroyed by fire. Do you see the burden burden he's got? He's remembering what happened. Verse 4. Then the king said to me, What do you want me to do? Before I answered, I prayed to the God of heaven. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you need the right words? Or you're not sure what to say? Or you got to be real careful about what you say right now because the next thing you say, man, it's either going to take you this way or that way or the way you want to go, right? Notice, while he's in this conversation, before he answers, he prays. I don't think he stopped and he kneeled. and he th- No, no, no. He prayed in his spirit. He was listening to God while he was talking to the king. I prayed to the God of heaven, he said. Then I answered the king. If it would please the king, and if I've been good to you, please send me to Jerusalem. Notice, please send me to Jerusalem, the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried. I want to go there and rebuild the city. Notice the burden. Send me. I heard everything that's going on. Let me go. I'm sad because I know what's happened. I want to go. Let me go, king. Send me. Here's the title of today's message. It's a good one. It's a fill in the blank on your sermon guide. The title of today's message, message number two in the series, make a move. Come on, say it with me. Make a move. Here's the subtitle. 
putting my burden into action. Putting my burden into action. See, the king and queen who was sitting next to him asked him, How long will your trip take? I'm still reading. When will you get back here? The king was happy to send me, so I gave him a certain time. I also said to the king, listen to this. If it would please the king to do something else for me, let me ask. Please give me some letters to show the governors of the area west of the Euphrates River. I need these letters so that the governors will give me permission to pass safely through their lands on my way to Judah. I also need lumber for the heavy wooden beams for the gates, the walls, the walls around the temple, and my house. So I need a letter from you to Asaph, who is in charge of your forests. So he's praying and he's asking God for favor. He's getting it. He's asking the king for all of the supplies and letters to give him safe passage. Notice this. The king gave me the letters and everything I asked for. The king did that because my God was kind to me. Let me read that again over you prophetically. The king did that because my God was kind to me. So I went to the governors of the area west of the Euphrates River, and I gave the letters from the king. The king had also sent army officers and soldiers on horses with me for protection. Let me skip down to verse 13 for time's sake. Nehemiah 2.13. While it was dark, I went through the valley gate. I rode towards the dragon wall and the gates of the ash piles. I was inspecting the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and the gates in the wall that had been burned with fire. So now he's out there. He hasn't even told anybody. He's just out there and he's inspecting everything prayerfully. He's, he's getting a really good look at what happened. I, I, I would imagine he's praying. He's asking God to help him, to give him courage. Skip down to verse 17 and 18. He's with some people now. Then he said to them, You can see the trouble we have here. Jerusalem is a pile of ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Then we will not be ashamed anymore. I also told them that my God had been kind to me. I told them what the king had said to me. Then they answered, let's start to work now. So we began this good work. Come on, somebody say, make a move. Come on, make a move. Make a move. See, Nehemiah, if you think about it, he didn't have to do anything. I want you to remember, he could have just stayed in the king's palace. He was a cupbearer. He was living in royalty. He was comfortable. He had all of his needs met. He probably had the best apparel anybody could have and the nicest chariots. He didn't have to do anything. But because Nehemiah had this God-given burden, this responsibility, this heart cry, this concern, he approached the king, and he asked the king if he can go, and, and he asked favor from the king, and he asked supplies from the king. And Nehemiah took that opportunity, and he took the favor, and he took the supplies, and he made a move. He put his burden 
into action. Did you know that today God is still looking for someone? Let me say it this way. God is still looking for a church to say, send me. I'm ready to engage this great work. I'm ready to make a move. I'm ready for my God-given burden to be put into action. Why should you and I engage in this great work and make a move? Why should you and I be all in with our heart to build the church, to partner with Jesus for a place where people can come and be saved and be cared for and be nurtured and be discipled? Why should we put forth the effort to win people, to share the gospel, to get past our fear and our shyness and and political correctness, and if we should, why should we be willing to do all of that? Well, let me give you the first reason, if you're filling in the blank. Here it is. Here's the most important reason. you got to see this. I can make a difference. Come on, say it with me. I can make a difference. That's for you to personalize. You can make a difference in this great work. You can make a difference in partnering with Jesus to build the church so that the church can win people, so that the church can care for people and love people and disciple people. Nehemiah was one man. The Bible doesn't say he was specially qualified for the job, but he had a God-given burden and he made a move. I want you to remember, God uses ordinary people to come together to do extraordinary things. Moses. Moses had a stuttering problem. He murdered somebody. He was wanted for murder. But he leads the Israelites out of slavery with God's power. Somebody say amen. Peter. He was a self-described sinful man. He drops everything to follow Jesus And he becomes a great fisher of men. Gideon. He was hiding in fear from the Midianites. And the angel spoke to him. And he rose up and he became a mighty man of valor. Led God's people to victory. How about Esther? Esther was a young Jewish girl. She she became the king of Persia. queen, Queen of Persia. Excuse me. Thank you, honey. See? Women are so good. Thank you for keeping me on track right there. She became the queen of Persia. Esther, let me put it this way. God, through Esther, saved the Jewish people from being wiped out. One woman. How about Saul, who became Paul? Saul was a terrorist. He killed people. He broke into Christians' homes and drug them out to be jailed and to be slaughtered. Paul, later, he becomes a religious leader. He becomes one of Christ's most powerful people that he used. And he accepts Christ and he goes on to write much of the New Testament. Saul to Paul. How about Philip? Some of you might not know Philip. Philip's not this big apostle. But in Acts chapter 6, Philip, along with some other men, 
was chosen to serve tables, to serve people, widows who were overlooked. And Philip was appointed to serve food, but later he becomes this powerful evangelist and he preaches the word of Christ and signs and wonders follow Philip and he brings great joy to a city. What about people in our own church? God can use you. You're ordinary, but in God's hands, you're extraordinary. So the first reason that you should engage in this great work is because you can make a difference if you just offer your life to God. So often we underestimate and we discount ourselves. But you have to let God show you that you're called by God. You're qualified by God. And the finished work of Jesus has empowered you with the Holy Spirit to be used of God, to make a difference for God. Amen. Can somebody say amen? Here's the second reason we should engage in this great work and make a move. Here it is. Every part matters. Come on, say it with me. Every part matters. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. We all have different gifts. Say different. We all have different gifts. Each gift came because of the grace God gave us. Whoever has the gift of prophecy should use that gift in a way that fits the kind of faith they have. The gift of prophecy is being available to speak as God's Spirit leads you to speak. And you bring encouragement and comfort to people. Verse 7 says, Whoever has the gift of serving should serve. That's like a deacon or someone who just helps. We've got a lot of servants around here. David. David puts up the pantry signs when nobody's looking. David comes by the church and he picks up the trash around the church parking lot and around the front of the church when nobody's around. David comes in and he, he empties the trash and he cleans things up and he picks. That's serving. Every part matters. Every part matters. It goes on and it says this. Um, Whoever has a gift of teaching should teach. If you're a teacher in kids' ministry, your part matters. You're making a big difference. You're pouring into the lives of these kids. You're shaping their hearts and their minds to walk with God. How about leading a connect group? One of these days, some of you are going to be leading a discipleship group of your own. And you have an ability to communicate things and to encourage others and share the scriptures. That's a gift. It says this, whoever has a gift of comforting others should do that. Whoever has a gift of giving to help others should give generously. Whoever has the gift of leading should work hard at it. Whoever has the gift of showing kindness to others should do it gladly. Every part matters. Barbara is our own. We got our own chef with Barbara. She cooks for us. She cleans for us. She's in the kitchen all the time. We got Meg out there in the front serving, setting things up for our Sunday morning services, getting coffee ready. Every part matters. When somebody's going through something, Jackie and Joey reach out to people. They'll take them a meal. They'll take them a card. They'll go pray for them. They'll reach out. Every part matters. Every part matters. Your part matters. Why is this important? Not one is the whole or is more important than the other, 
but we all play a part. And every part we play matters. Kids workers, media booth, anything and everything. The part that you play matters. Let me give you a great example. This past Wednesday night, some of you were here, some of you were not. We had our Thanksgiving food give service. I've got a picture of it. Can we put that picture up there? We had an incredible time together. But everyone came together and played their part. If you think about it, we had people packing bags on all of our campuses. We had people preparing on all of our campuses for this. We had people praying. We had our media team here Wednesday night helping us. We had a worship team. We had the Grace Ladies come and sing. We had John and Meg here singing. We had greeters. We had people that come just to take the bags out. We had people helping and uh, directing people when parking so they didn't get any fender benders out there in the parking lot. We had over 100 people on campus with us this last Wednesday night. And it was an incredible time. We had worship. We had a message. We prayed for people. I think I counted a 10 or 12 hands that went up to respond to receive Jesus Christ or to recommit their lives to Jesus Christ. It's an incredible time. How did that happen? That happened because every part played their part. And on this campus alone, we served 86 families a Thanksgiving bag of fixings and a gift card for $20 to buy a turkey or a ham from Walmart. This last Saturday, we had another one on our Catawba, South Carolina campus. We had a team over there, every part, playing their part. About 15 people came together at our Catawba campus, and they did a drive-through. The report that I got was they prayed for about 43 people out of 114 cars. We served 114 families from our Catawba campus this last Saturday. 114 and 86. I had to use a calculator. It's 200. We serve 200, not people, families. Come on. Every part, playing their part. Lakeshore Christian Fellowship this year served 200 families, a Thanksgiving bag, and a gift card. You know how many gift cards we had? 200 gift cards. $20 each. Do the math. How much is that? 4,000 bucks our church raised that and more. I got a testimony. I want to share it with you. One of the couples who attends our TKK campus, their names are Dennis and Bev Syracusa. I invited them. They don't live too far. So they came down to be with us on Wednesday night. They helped us to pray for some people and just be an encouragement. I got a text from him the next morning. This is what it said. He said, Pastor Robert, last night was a very blessed evening. Thank you for including Bev and me. I was up at 3 a.m. this morning and found myself reflecting on and praying for different parts of the evening. I sure loved the love. I sure loved the love, the openness, and the family environment. Hope was a perfect kingdom message for last night. And I loved having the children in the service. Felt that it was as it should be. The format seemed to be viable 
for our ages. And he went on and he told me some other things, but I wanted to share that with you because our campus impacted our community on Wednesday night and your part played a part. If you weren't part of that, let this be an encouragement to you. Every part matters. God needs you in the work. 200 families we served. Wednesday night, every single part played was needed and helped us to make a difference. We had kids here serving. Numerous kids carrying bags and serving and greeting people. Everybody was playing a part so that people can come and they could be impacted by God's Spirit. You might not have everything, but you have something. And what you have, God has called you to use and give to His great work. Just so you know, we don't have every base at this campus covered. We still need help. For example, I need help, someone coming out to clean the church. I'm still cleaning the church sometimes. I don't mind cleaning the church. I clean the toilets. I do the windows. I do some vacuuming. I take out trash. I take stains out of the carpet. I touch things. Whatever needs to be done, I do it. I'm not telling you this because I don't think I should be doing it or I'm above it. That's not it at all. I'm sharing this with you because there might be a possibility that you have some time in your schedule and that you're physically able to come out here once a week and spend an hour cleaning the church. I could clean the church, but you know what? There are other things that I could be doing that you can't do and that I got to get to. Amen? So if you're able and you say, Pastor Robert, I'm not doing anything. Well, I got something that you can help us with. You can help me to clean the church. We need people to set up the coffee. Meg's doing it every Sunday. I know she doesn't mind. Sometimes Conrad and Arlene do it. I know they don't mind. But it'd be great if we had another person said, you know what? Put me on the rotation, Pastor Robert. I can learn how to make coffee. It's pretty simple. Put me in the game. I want to play a part. What about people on the worship team? I love our worship team. But there's going to be others that God has here who could sing, who know how to sing, who can make a joyful noise, right? Amen? And we could put you on the worship team. You can be in here singing with us. Every part matters. And my encouragement to you is, if you're not playing a part, get in the game. Because God wants to use you to help us impact people for the kingdom. Come on, somebody say amen. Those of you that are watching on Facebook, or you're listening on a podcast, come on. If you're not in a church family, if you dropped out because of COVID and you're still during church on the couch in your PJs, uh-uh-uh, come on, you got to jump in. you got to play a part. you got to find your place and get in the kingdom business in partnering with a church family to make an impact in the community. There's a lot of good churches. Don't tell me you can't find one. If you say you can't find one, you haven't looked because there's a church on every corner, especially out here in the south. Amen? A lot of good churches, so everybody could play a part. Here's the third reason that I think we all should engage, make a move, cause our burden to be put into action. Here it is. Write this down. People are worth the price it will cost me. Come on, say it with me. People are worth the price it will cost me. Think about Nehemiah. He took action. He made a move to lead in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. It cost him. It cost him comfort. It cost him time. It cost him energy. 
It cost him something. He had to get out of his comfort zone and be willing to get there and do something and partner with God. I'm not going to lie. Serving God and pulling together in this great work, it costs us something. It costs us everything. We laid everything down in California and we drove out here by faith, not knowing how things would work out. All our family, everything we were comfortable with, everything. Well, Pastor Robert, you're a pastor. You're supposed to do that. Listen, I didn't have to. We didn't have to. And you're a kingdom citizen, a kingdom of God. And you have a part to play. But it's going to cost you something. Notice what it says in Proverbs 11.30. It's not on your notes. The Lord showed it to me this morning. Remember, people are worth the price it will cost me. Proverbs 11.30 says this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Say wins. Wins. How many of you ever played sports? How many of you know who played sports realize that in order to win, it's going to cost you something? You don't just win all the time by accident. You don't just win without practice. You don't just win without practice and investment. You don't just win without shoring some things up and getting better at what you're doing. Listen, people, winning souls, sometimes it's going to cost you something. Sometimes it's going to take some grit. Sometimes it's going to cost some time. Sometimes it's going to cost some effort. Sometimes it might cost you a few dollars. Sometimes it might cost you some personal comfort or some energy. But people are worth the price that it costs you. Listen to Matthew 9, 35-38. This is so powerful. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages. He taught in their synagogues and told the people the good news about the kingdom. He healed all kinds of disease and all kinds of sicknesses. Jesus saw the many people and felt sorry for them because they were worried and helpless like sheep without a shepherd to lead them. Notice, Jesus has a burden. Jesus is concerned about other people. Jesus has a heart for other people. He sees them worried and helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Look at verse 37. Jesus turned to his followers. Do I got any followers in the house? Come on. Any followers of Jesus in the house? He turned to his followers and he said this. There is such a big harvest of people to bring in. Come on, say that with me. There is such a big harvest of people to bring in. But there are only a few workers to help harvest them. God owns the harvest. Ask Him. Other translations say, pray to send more workers to help gather His harvest. We got to be reminded that people are worth the price it will cost me. So, Pastor Robert, okay, I can make a difference. Every part matters. People are worth the price it will cost me. What should I do? Here's your action steps. You ready? Personalize it. This is what you could do. Number one, get a burden for the great work. Before Jesus said, listen, you know what he said. He said, go 
and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Get involved in the great work. People are worth it. Leverage your life. Leverage your influence. Leverage yourself. Leverage your God-given gifts to partner with Jesus in building the church family, to partner with Jesus in reaching the lost family and friends who aren't walking with Jesus, who are on their way to hell if they take their last breath today. Jesus cares about them. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is people. And so if you don't have a burden and you're a Christian and you can care less about the people around you, I want to encourage you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a burden for this great work. Here's the second thing you could do. You ready? Personalize it. Ask yourself, am I playing a part? Ask yourself. Now, we have a great church. And across all three campuses, statistically speaking, we have a high percentage of church family members that are playing a part, that are actively serving, and a lot of them serve in more than one ministry role. So don't hear any condemnation. We have a great church, and many of you are already serving in multiple areas, and we're so grateful. But if you're not, you got to ask yourself, why? Why am I not playing a part? Why am I coming here week after week or a couple of times a month, and I'm just hearing messages, and I'm getting fed? This is my church, but I'm not playing a part. I'm not doing anything for the family. Can I just tell you lovingly, listen, I'm your pastor and I love you. That's not right. It's not right. Come on. I love you. After about a month or two months or three months or even six months, okay. But when you're part of a family, amen, come on, somebody say amen. When you're part of a family, you find your place and you plug in. Now, if you don't ever do anything here, I still love you, and you can still come. But if you don't find your place and play your part, you're not going to experience all of God's blessing that he has for you in your life. By the way, it's a major blessing to play a part. Come on, somebody, say amen. It's a major blessing. So the second thing you got to do, you got to ask yourself, am I, am I playing a part? What can I do? Even if it's a, it's a half an hour a week, you could do something. Here's the third thing. This is a good one. All of us can do this. And some of us already are. Here's a third one. Invite someone to service whose walls need to be strengthened or rebuilt. Come on. Some of you in my conversations, you've already told me, hey, I've invited so-and-so. Or I'm thinking about inviting so-and-so. Let's be people who are learning to reach out and say, hey, you know, I've got a pretty good church. I think you'll be encouraged. I think you'll sense God's love. I think God will speak to your heart. Why don't you come and visit with us on a Sunday morning? Invite someone, especially if you know their spiritual walls have been destroyed by the enemy and they're vulnerable. Come on, somebody say amen. You're with me? Let's stand to our feet and close. Those of you that are watching on Facebook or you're listening and you're not attending church services and you are a Christian, it's time to get involved in God's great work. 
It's no longer time to sit on the sidelines and to be a Christian in name only. You have to get in. You have to connect. You have to be vitally connected to your church family. You will not experience God's best trying to serve God all by yourself. Make that an invitation. We'd love for you to come if you live in the Gastonia area, surrounding area. We'd love for you to come on a Sunday morning. I promise we'll all love you and we'll welcome you and you'll be glad that you came. Here's my closing comment. Nehemiah could not do it alone. He needed every part doing their part with all their heart. And so do we. So do we. Amen? I love you. I'm so grateful for you. God wants for you to be cared for. And he wants for you to help us to care for others. Would you bow your heads as we close and we pray. Father, we just thank you today for your spirit. For hearing our prayer. And we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, bring this message to life. Help us to make a move. Help us to put our God-given burden for one another and for people into action. Show us our part. Use us to impact people for eternity. Holy Spirit, we're desperate for your help. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.